again. This is Thrust Richter. I'm back on the streets. And right now I've got Ricky with me. Ricky, what are your three favorite things from Star Wars? Ooh, three favorite things? Hmm. I love the hero story that they have, that all of the original Star Wars have. I love the sand people. And I love... Hmm. I love the vehicles that they all have. Yeah. If there was one thing you could change in all of Star Wars, what would it be? Mm, maybe I just need more Star Wars. More, maybe not so much like mainline stories, but I'm just getting into the Clone Wars. They had a lot more stories like that in the mainline stuff, maybe even movies about them. I would be really happy about it. Cool. All right, thank you so much. Problemo. Once again, this has been Russ Richter. Back to you, Chuck. Welcome once again, guys, another big episode of the Before the Z-Wing podcast. My name is Stefan Arnold. With me, as always, is my co-host, Travis, a.k.a. Saboken. Yo. Travis, how are you, sir? I am doing well. Hanging in there. Let's talk about Travis. Let's talk about me. No, Travis, I was just, <laughs> we don't want to do that. <laughs> no, no. See, the nice thing about talking about you is we'll just continue to talk about Star Wars. Oh, okay. That's you. You're, you're the essence of <laughs> Star Wars. Whatever. Oh, man. But right now, guys, we are going to talk about episode two of Star Wars Saga. Fifth in line, Travis Wended. The Attack of the Clones come out in movie theaters. 2002. 2002. Crazy. That's uh, 18 years ago for those math majors out there and uh, getting close to 19 as we go through the summer here. And yeah, pretty amazing. Long time ago, Attack of the Clones. The Jedis have picked up Anakin Skywalker and have trained him into a young man with a wonderful tiny, tiny ponytail and, uh, <laughs> and he is ready to fight injustice throughout the galaxy uh, travis your overall impression please sir <laughs> well here's the good news this is my least like star wars movie so once we get through this we're gonna be good <laughs> um yes entertaining as a science fiction movie no it is too frustrating to be a good movie regardless of its genre there's an expected level of absurdity that comes with Star Wars, um, you know, laser swords, Is lightning there? fingers. I think so. Yeah. I mean, where does Luke's... well, okay, lightsabers. Okay, but not absurd. I would I wouldn't say that's an expected level of absurdity. I would just think it's science fiction. So there's stuff that is out there. Well, yeah. If you take something like Star Trek, which is a little more grounded in a possible future, I mean, Star Wars is dealing with the Force and space magic and wizards and but is that absurd or is that just science fiction? Well, here's why it's I say abs absurd. Okay. <laughs> because this movie has a lot of absurdity to it. <laughs> All right. Attack of the Clones is so full of bad choices, both from the perspective of uh, the characters and the perspective of storytelling. It hurts the brain when you're trying to untangle the whys behind the majority of the film. The cinematography is uninspired, seems almost made for network television by the standards of when it was made, you know, 2002. Boring shot composition, too much green screen, too much CGI sets. 
when the battle yeah, we'll get into that yeah when the battle at the end finally kicks off many of those battle shots are kind of inspired like the, the quick zoom in on the gunships and stuff like that but when you contrast that to what's already happened in the movie it's an incohesive mess it's just ugh. and another thing that bugs me and maybe not bug a whole lot of people they recycled music cues like they just went into the, the bin and, and pulled out music from the Phantom Menace to supplement scenes. I, I just thought that was lazy filmmaking. And this whole movie feels like lazy filmmaking. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> that's our review. Ladies and gentlemen, on uh, episode <laughs> Thank 19, you so much for coming. we're going to talk about some and, news. Uh, and tip your waitress. Thank you so much, guys. And <laughs> you, this is this is this is setting up what the road is like for the rest of this episode. So why don't you tell me what you thought? Did you think this is an entertaining movie? <laughs> oh, man. Tell us what you really think, Travis. <laughs> there, there was too much green screen. I, I know that it probably looked much better in 2002, but there's so much more that they did with puppets and miniatures in the other movies that I don't know if they relied on it was the right word or were just wanting to use it because it was there. It just... There was too much. So I had a hard time holding my attention. I, I saw it recently and I hadn't seen it in a long time up until that point. And then I was watching it again for this review to make sure that I knew exactly what was going on. And I literally had to stop the show. <laughs> like I texted you. I'm like, I did not finish the movie. Yeah. We can't do the podcast tonight. Like I'm going to come back later. Mm. Uh, so didn't hold my attention. Um, as as you said, and as it will be as well, for me, it is the lowest rated uh, Star Wars movie of the 11 that we're going to uh, review. Let's get into our next segment, Travis, and this might be uh, an easy answer for you. <laughs> does this add, even if it's not a wonderful movie, does it add to the Star Wars universe? No. No. <sighs> You know, the Phantom Menace... Okay, let me jump in. Maybe you can base this answer around this, and maybe you're already on track of this. But let me ask you a question. Do we need Luke Skywalker for Star Wars? Uh Uh-huh. So, for Luke, do we need Anakin Skywalker? No. Kind of, yes. I mean, I'd say no, but it's interesting if we do. Okay, separate that. Can we have Darth Vader without Anakin and just have kind of Darth Vader? No, because he's the father. That's the whole thing, right? So if we need Luke, which is obvious, and we need Anakin, do we need Padme? Um, I I do. I can see how some people would say absolutely not, but I do. I would like to have Obviously, Padme, yes. she's the love of Anakin and the mother of Luke. And it, but... Well, for me, it boils down to the fact that when Luke asked Leia and Endor, what do you remember about your mother? And she kind of goes into some vague detail. That alone says, okay, I would like to see who their their mother was and what was her relationship with Anakin and how did that dissolve? You know, I, I want to know that. I do. I would be curious. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where I was going. Like, so we need a large portion of this movie was devoted to their relationship between Anakin and, and Pat Bang. So that kind of adds to the Star Wars universe, right? But you said no. So no. explain that, um, what you said, why you said that. Well, let's let's go back to the Phantom Menace just for a moment. I like the Phantom Menace. I didn't love it. Do we do we have to? Well, yeah. <laughs> no, okay. Go ahead. But it was so my biggest gripe with the Phantom Menace, and hopefully it came clear in the in the review, was that it's like this disappointing blend of some great Star Wars moments mixed in with plenty of head scratching dullness, right? It's mm-hmm. just this mediocre film. It's it's got the pod races, it's got the saber with Maul and Qui Gon and, and Obi Wan. But for the most part you're like, eh, okay. 
Attack of the Clones just multiplies that same issue, like exponentially on both ends of the spectrum. The movie contains some scenes that deliver on what me as a fan of Star Wars would hope to see and, and have fun with it as a Star Wars experience. But the flaws are so egregious. They ruin the movie. They ruin the prequel trilogy. I'm going to go. I mean, that's that's how I sit on this. You know, after The Phantom Menace, the prequels could have easily elevated from you know, a mid-quality part one of the trilogy. You know, it wasn't the great start, but we're on our way. The ball's rolling. Yep. But Attack of the Clones just tanks the trilogy. It tanks it so bad that The Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith combined aren't strong enough to pull it back out, to negate the damage. And one of its biggest flaws is how it presents Anakin Skywalker. You know, I'm sure we'll get in this in a moment, but just as an overall message, an overall takeaway for this review, for me, my point of view, mm-hmm. make Anakin a hero, true and true, before making him the villain. And this movie failed to do that. So it is far, farther the fall. I just need Anakin to be a like, likable person. I have to like the main character of the story. I don't care about the tragedy that's coming, and we all know it's coming. But if you just make him an unlikable character from the get-go, then why am I, why am I bothering watching this? Why do I care that... Padme falls in love with him. Why do I care about anything? He could have just been a sideline character that was not really relevant to the story right now and just have it be a, a, a mystery uh, like uh, Obi-Wan going out to find out who Jango Fett and the clones are. And then, So, wait, I want to go back. So you said that you wanted Anakin to be a hero first. If you're going to... I actually... If you're going to spend time with Anakin Skywalker, make him a freaking hero. Make him the hero of the story, the hero that we want to see him as, the hero that he is of the Clone Wars, as described by Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, maybe Obi-Wan didn't describe him as being a hero, but there was sort of this, I don't know, his dad was... Oh, well, Yoda says that, how powerful Jedi he was, remember, in Empire Strikes Back. Well, you can be a powerful Jedi without being a hero. But the Jedi are heroes. Unless you're going to make this movie about how the yeah. Jedi aren't heroes, and then let's do that. Let's explore that story then. Great. I think we also said that in the Phantom Menace review, is that we were, at least I was a little disappointed that it was such a young child, Anakin, yeah. that we don't really see a ton of that growth. Right. And it's just kind of all crammed into this movie. Mm-hmm. I actually did like the tension between Obi-Wan and Anakin kind of right off the bat. I know what you're saying, and I you know, I might lean that way too if they reframed most of the movie about that, but I, I kind of like the tension right off the bat. Like Anakin knows he's, you know, gonna be a bad badass and he's outgrowing being a Padawan. Uh, you know, in a bad way that sometimes happened. But you know I totally understand what you're saying. Being young, being talented and being arrogant is a perfect mix for that character. So I totally agree with you. They're bickering at the beginning was great but i still need to see him as a hero and we don't get that mm-hmm. we don't he get that. that they could have done both they could have done both mm-hmm. i suppose yeah maybe yeah they could have done both and i know the exact moment when it could have happened so brace yourself <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yeah. what about you net game for the franchise uh i mean <laughs> uh, i'm keeping I mean, all that silence by the way we're not editing any no of that i know <laughs> it was uh i mean we need as you said we need padme <laughs> she's not an integral character to the saga overall she could have been i think she, she could have been she's integral to anakin's downfall which is yes what we see 
and maybe we could have seen it in a different way. And the traits of um, Leia, we could have seen some of the traits of Leia being a strong character, a strong individual, being passed through her mom. That would have been totally I mean, fine. I, I, I think we saw her being a strong character. She was forceful with Anakin at, yes. at points. She yes. defended herself uh, later in the film and, and things like that. But do you need to see this movie to enjoy Star Wars? I guess that's the question. Do you need to see this movie to enjoy Star Wars more? The answer no, is no. 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 The answer is no. You're better off okay. not seeing this movie. It'd be great to have that ideal movie, but this isn't it. So it's better just not so to it's watch not it. A, it. It's not a positive. It's not even a zero. It's negative. It, yes. It tanks right. the prequels. Well, we can't give it less than zero Stormtrooper helmets. Oh, watch me. So, <laughs> so we will see how we rate it later in the podcast. Yeah. Travis, are you ready to move on to the largest segment of the night, which will be our dislikes? Yeah, I guess we'll just get the ugly out. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, there were some things that we liked. We'll get to those soon. But unfortunately, with this movie especially, we do have some dislikes. Hey. Well, I'll warn you. Th- I'll, I'll warn you. I actually have a lot listening. more likes than you might expect. I do have a quite yeah. a bit of likes, so. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan, and you are because you're listening, as I said, you know that this is one of the weaker movies in the saga. Yeah. This... I mean, there are very few of you out there who really, really like this movie. This is if you do, The Search for Spock. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we are going to uh, go through some dislikes right now. You may want to skip to the next probably 20 minutes and uh, get to the likes or so. But uh, hey, I, I'm glad you guys, some of you like it out there, but... Uh, Travis, let's begin with some of your dislikes. Yeah, my gripes? Okay. My number one is a poorly executed, sappy love story. Mm-hmm. Looking beyond the funky dialogue, the clunky acting, the assumed love story. Which between, is hard to do. It is. Kind of. I don't know. We'll, well, I'll, we'll get there. The assumed love story between Anakin and Padme, when I was going into this, is terribly depicted. There are these character moments that aim to be compelling and memorable, but the story beats that try to connect those moments doesn't offer content to get us there, to make the the whole falling in love moments feel like they're a logical, entertaining progression, to feel like they're earned. So all... It was so fast. It was, no, 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 you're too young, you're stupid, we can't yeah. do this, Jedi doesn't allow this, oh, let's... Uh, let's kiss. Let's get together. Right. Like, it was just, they did, you're right, they, they needed to show more or do it better go ahead the issue for me it, the scenes involving anakin and padme their time they spent on naboo that's <laughs> you know dinner with the nabiris that's <laughs> conference room with the queen that's <laughs> picnic table with the cattle sized ticks that's <laughs> fireside obsession <laughs> confession is shit all of that <laughs> all of that uncomfortable movie content should never have been committed into this film and that's not to say that a love story doesn't have a place in a Star Wars universe. I think it does, if that's all you're going to do. But I think well, that Naboo to, time yeah. was supposed to give us this insight into their emerging relationship. I mean, we get a basic image of what Anakin's after, right? Lust, possession, a sense of real family that the Jedi can't provide for him, even though he knows how it feels to have a mom. Um, but we never get any clues to what Padme needs, right? Uh, why would Anakin be an appealing partner to her? She consistently rejects his advances, like we just said, but suddenly allows him to kiss her. <laughs> And if the movie had shown her longing for a relationship, one that was easy to keep a secret due to her position in politics, then I can accept her fostering a hidden relationship with Anakin. But no such motivation is provided in the movie. You know, what if Anakin presented something to Padme that Padme admired, but she couldn't find elsewhere? Then I can understand why he would be appealing to her. But 
if that sort of character development is too thick to include in the movie, or rather takes too long to convey within a two-hour movie that also has a detective plot line, a war plot line, all that kind of stuff, then make the relationship evolve out of urgency and danger that's related to the mystery plot line, that's related to the war plot line. No, yeah, I agree. It was was too, just too fast, basically. And, And you're right, like, the whole... Naboo cutouts were the, the worst part of the movie and and there's other ways to do that and or or not you know you kind of right. have to make that decision you can't you can't really end up where they ended up either you do it or you do it you do it better or you don't do it right so I know how you do it better I mean they had to do it because we need them to get together otherwise we don't no. have the right hero of the movie saga so <laughs> anyway go on keep keep going on so you know how I like to think about ways of fixing things. And I do have changes later on. This could fit in that category, but since it's so close to being related to what we're talking about, I'd like to just cover it now. Sure. Here's how you solve that problem. And remember how I said we need to see Anakin as a hero. And we're not going to make this Star Wars a love story, this movie, all about just them, right? We got to have all the other components in play. Please. So let's say we have to commit to this. Just this is with the limited time we have, the screen time with them. Let's how are we going to get them to having a relationship? And also make Anakin a hero. I got it for you. And it bums me out that they didn't just think this. The assassins are hunting Padme down. Well, why wouldn't they have two agents gatekeeping Padme's home planet? Makes sense, right? I mean, suddenly she vanishes. Jar Jar takes her place in the Senate. Okay, well, where's the one likely place she's going to go? Well, she could go back home to Naboo. So why don't we just monitor it? I think that there should have been an attack on Anakin and Padme as soon as they arrived on Naboo. Like a vicious attack, another assassination attempt. And I think that Anna could then could have jumped into the, the situation, taking care of the assassins. Maybe some people got hurt, but basically it would have given Padme a chance to see his force ability and his heroicism and his willingness to sacrifice himself to save others. And in particular her, but just, you know, wow, he is a Jedi. Look at what he just did. And he defeated this assassin. And then with that kind of a danger like, wow, we can't come here because obviously they know where we're at. So we got to go somewhere else. Somewhere they're not, not going to find us. That's when Anakin steps up and says, I'm going to take it to Tatooine. Done. Yeah. Now we get to Tatooine. And then when we get to Tatooine so much earlier, we've already established why she might be emotionally affected by him and start to like him because she sees him for this hero. We, the audience, also get to see him as this hero. So now we get to feel the fall a little bit more. And we can understand why they got to, kind of got together. And then we get to spend more time on the Lars homestead. He gets to the Lars quicker. There's more conversations between him and Owen Lars. Maybe Owen tries to convince... Well, so in my fantasy world, this is what kind of happens. Shmi Skywalker is not kidnapped. He reunites with her. So we have that bonding moment. And Padme gets to, to kind of have this conversation with Anakin off the side saying... Wow, it's really hard that the, that the Jedi took you away from her and she's missed you. And Owen Lars and his family, Baru and, and his dad, Kleeg, they could have said, wow, she's been really heart sick since you've been gone and she's been living with us and she's so much great for the family. But we can tell that now that you're back, she's just 100% a more positive person, that kind of thing. So you know where this is leading if you do it this way, right? Yeah. That makes the tragedy even that much more harder for all of us, not just Anakin, but the audience members too. If that makes it a better standalone film, if you hadn't watched The Phantom Menace, at least you know what the hell's going on with his relationship with the bomb. So when she's taken away from him, we get to feel that pain. There you go. So then if you have Skywalker helping the Lars out, he's, you know, he's reuniting with his mom, connecting with her, getting to meet his new um, family, his in-laws or whatever. 
then he sees a slice of life on what it would have been like to stay on Tatooine had, you know, him and his mom been liberated from Watto and they're just living with the homesteaders. Maybe he's helping him fix moisture evaporators, repairing droids, fixing their land speeder. We get more time with them. We get a debate between Owen Lars and, and Anakin where Anakin says, you know, at some point, Padme, I'm going to have to take you back. And Owen says, why? Why don't you just stay here? And now we have that conversation about the ideals being different between the two, right? Going back and getting involved because Padme has to vote on the the creation of the army for the Grand Republic. That's her responsibility. And Anakin's yep. like, wow, it would be nice if we just stayed here. That would have solved that problem. And, and it, oh, it just kills me that they didn't think about this. Well, I mean, I'm sure they thought about it, but they went the direction they did. So... Uh, maybe they didn't think about the exact scenario you laid out, but hmm. um, yeah, I mean, as as we said in the Phantom Menace review, um, I would have liked to have seen more uh, involvement with Anakin's mother, and of course, you <laughs> you had some thoughts about that as well. Are you going to open an old wound? <laughs> no, no. Okay. All right, I got one for you. What's that? The the Jedi's are the peacekeepers of the galaxy right they keep order in the galaxy mm -hmm. they're not an army per se but could we get some counterintelligence up in this joint <laughs> i mean holy cow the the only reason that the clone army was discovered is because jango fett shot a yeah. dart and killed the assassin that's the only reason yeah. the entire clone army and hence the droid army were discovered. They don't have anyone out yeah. there. No one knows that this massive dude army. I mean, I'm right there with you, brother. Not only just the army. Hey, you can you can you can argue that maybe the Geonosians were so good about hiding the army. Okay, I buy that. But what about the capital ships that show up to transport them? What about the gunships? What about the tanks? Who made that stuff? Well, a lot of it was made by core industries, according to Canon. You're telling me yeah. that these big, huge capital warships were being manufactured for the Grand Army Republic, yet there was no Grand Army Republic, and the Jedi weren't clued into this? Like, people say, hey, these, this, you know, Quat shipyards or Corellia shipyards, they're making these really big, uh, heavy cruisers for battle cruisers. What, what's that all about? No, no. And why, why are we making 200,000 helmets? Right. Uh, rifles helmets <laughs> they gotta be for someone <laughs> where's all the food so, coming from that's like, feeding these guys yeah, all, i mean maybe they did all that on camino and as you said maybe they 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 built the ships elsewhere it says which is of course why wouldn't this be learned spies or people just like calling calling up hey do you have the number for the, <laughs> the jedi chambers on coruscant well dude hey uh, even guys. if the jedi knights were just paying attention to the economics of the of the republic they would have seen a lot of money funneling into these these shipyards right they was like whoa well, these guys are really in heavy production what's going on who's placing these orders is this something we need to worry about like the oblivious yeah. the jedi council is oblivious like what are you doing <laughs> what are you uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, where's this dart from? Oh, we better go check this out. Right. Anyway, anyway. All right. What's your next dislike? Uh, illogical tactics and behavior by the characters. And I got a couple examples that kind of highlight this. So we'll start with the, the least to the worst. All right. When chasing Zan Weasel, the assassin in Coruscant who tries to kill Padme with the worms, right? She's the, the sniper. Mm -hmm. She leads them through an area that's like reminiscent of Blade Runner, that opening scene over Los Angeles, the original Blade Runner. And I actually liked that. Uh -huh. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool homage. 
but she flies side to side through these you know, gas ventilation towers and you get the flames shooting out the top. Okay. And the Jedis are zigzagging and it's almost like they're going through a single row left and right, left and right. And Anakin's cutting it kind of close. Well, there is a ton of empty space on both sides or you could just fly over the thing. So why is he following them, snaking through these towers when he could just fly above it? That was the moment when I was watching this movie saying, mm, something's not right here. And I don't think this movie's <laughs> going to go the way I hope it does. Because that was my first clue. Like, okay, these are, they're not, they're just doing stuff for exposition, but they're not making, the characters are not doing anything logical. It's just for the theatrics of the film. And that's going to mm. cause problems. So here's another one. Geonosis. Why does Django Fett fly down to join the arena battle? He's on the balcony with Dooku and he's trying to protect him, right? His son is also there and there's an open battle going on between the Jedi and the droids. The droids are get in on that. Well, but, and the droids are already <laughs> overwhelming the Jedi. So it's not like he's needed. He's got to protect his kid and he's got to protect his client. So he doesn't need to risk himself flying into the battle. And almost as soon as he lands, what does he do? He has to defend himself from being attacked by the Reek, that rhinoceros creature. And then as yeah. soon as he's done defeating that thing, guess what happens? Mace Windu sabers his head off. Like, what a waste of a character. Yes. It just doesn't make sense to me. No. Okay, another one. Same same scenario. Geonosis, Battle Arena. This is after Yoda shows up with the clones. And they got the, they're coming with their, their gunships. <laughs> the Jedi are boarding the gunships to get out of the Battle Arena, right? Yes. But some of them need a helping hand to get them into the gunships. Like what? These are Jedi. Why can't they just force leap into the gunships? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. okay. I got, got one more and this right. is it for me. Okay. All right. All right. This is the big one. And so many of my friends have already heard me talk about this. And so I apologize. It's going to be a little bit of a, a review. Yoda and the clone troopers fly in. This is the same scenario to, to fight in the Geonosian arena to save the surviving Jedi. They're they got ready quick. That was well. That was that was yeah. one of mine. I'll just combine it with with you, this one. Like Yoda shows up at Camino. We don't even see that, and then like six hours later, he's on Geonosis with twenty or thirty thousand troops and heavy heavy weapons. Oh and yeah, all it, these Republic gunships. Like it's a full <laughs> war theater. It's great. <laughs> okay, so it's but like, all right. unexpected. You could say it's exciting, you know, whatever. It's cinematic. It was definitely cinematic. But anyway. Yes. Yes. After collecting the surviving Jedi, as their gunship rises and leaves out of the arena, the ship flies right into full camera view. And we see rockets being loaded into its its top cannons, right? You see it, it cranks in. So it's reloading. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Then we quickly cut to R2-D2 and C-3PO doing some funny stuff, whatever. And then we see Boba Fett, you know, looking at his dad's helmet. And then we cut back to Yoda and Mace Windu on that very same gunship. And they're flying away from the arena. And Yoda turns to Mace Windu and says, if allowed to escape, Dooku is, more systems rally to his cause, they will. Okay, that sounds logical. Except, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Wasn't Dooku just standing on that balcony right there when you guys were leaving, loading up rockets? I mean, he, we, we, the camera watches him watch them fly away. And then he turns and walks down the hallway. Why didn't they just turn the gunships on the balcony and light it up? And assuming he's an awesome Jedi, he could have deflected most of that. Then the Jedi could have jumped down with the upper hand, that moment of surprise, and taken him. Either arrest him, kill him, whatever they need to do. Dooku's stopped. Like, why didn't the Jedi just do that? It doesn't make any sense. And that is bad storytelling. That is totally bad I, storytelling. 
I didn't realize he watched them. Oh, it cuts to him. He watches them fly away, and you hear it in the sound yeah. effects and the in the you know in the, in the surround sound. He's like, and then it shows it and it's loading rockets and flying away. And what do they do? They fly like ten miles away to go attack the or the Trade Federation ships. They go away from the arena. You know, technically Dooku is still in the arena facility. He hasn't left. He hasn't flown away yet. So here they are fighting some other big battle somewhere with a bunch of robots, thinking well, we got to stop Dooku, but nobody's flying back to the arena to go capture Dooku. <laughs> <laughs> boggles right. my brain well, it just hurts so bad Ugh. okay okay i got i got something along those lines as well do you have do you have another segment dislike segment i just have one more it's not nearly as one extensive more. as the one he's gave you okay i've got an offshoot of count dooku he's forming this private army or he's he's combining it with the trade federation mm-hmm. then he gets uh, discovered by Obi-Wan and then all of a sudden he's just going to kill he's just going to kill Padme he's just going to kill a senator and be like alright yeah. uh, we're doing this so it seems like such a drastic Easy. leap Yeah. why wouldn't you say go back to Coruscant uh, we're coming for you uh, I guess you can just kill her right there I suppose but it's, it seems so drastic to like why wouldn't he kill Obi-Wan right away? I mean, mm-hmm. there's the whole theater of it, of course, but he's raising a private army. He suddenly gets discovered, and then moments later, he's going to try to kill a senator. I don't know. It's anyway. like overly antagonistic, but doesn't go far enough to support being overly <laughs> antagonistic. It's just, yeah, it's a logic flaw. I don't, yeah, the characters are doing stuff just to serve the story, not actually to have proper character motivations and follow through with that logic. <laughs> All right. Your last one, and then I've got a real quick one after that, and then we'll move on to likes. Uh, okay. CGI Yoda. Oof. Yeah. He looked terrible. He moved terrible. And my whole thing was, you know, accepting the effects, the limitation of the effects at the time, that's fine. Yeah. Why would a Jedi Grandmaster ever need to use a lightsaber? Like, ever. If he can force pull an X-Wing out of a swamp, he should be able to just force pull Dooku's shuttle out of the air. Or even better, just stop Dooku from even getting on board the shuttle in the first place. Just arrest him, just like Kylo Ren does with laser bolts. Just seize him up, done. We're going to take you back home, slap you on the wrist, ask you why you left the Jedi Order and why you're trying to cause a war. I actually think that Yoda shouldn't even been in that fight. I think Yoda should have like sensed the shadow of the dark side early in the movie and said, hmm, something's not cool here. He could have then secluded himself in deep meditation, pondering the dark side corruption all around him, maybe even have him go to Dagobah for a little while, and then we could have had that moment with him communing with the living force and hearing Qui-Gon's voice and his ghost and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I just think that Yoda's whipping out a lightsaber and having that fight was such a fan service thing to do, it killed the movie for me. Like, that the audience was laughing, but not in a good way. And that was just like an opening night, again, at the Coronet Theater. It was it was just a tragic a tragic way to, to put that character in that situation and use him that way. And, he, you know, he's using the Force to fight Dooku. And the Force is supposed to be capital, right? And then Dooku says, well, obviously our power, our abilities of the Force aren't good enough or, or outmatched or are matched evenly. So we'll have to decide this with our skills of the lightsaber. Really, skills of the lightsaber trumps your ability to use the force when, when really because that doesn't make sense to me at all it should be the other way around it should have been a saber stalemate if we had one and then they use the force and then yoda would have schooled him shut him down right then and there uh. well i think if well a couple points one the use of the force and the way the jedi fight with the force is inconsistent throughout the entire saga yeah it just is they do 
great stuff with it. They do. Then they're in another fight scene and they never ever use it. Mm -hmm. They can almost fly or sometimes they can only leap. And then it's just inconsistent all the way through. And if you look at if you think about it or go back and watch movies with that in mind, how is the force used? It's completely inconsistent how it would be used in a fight. But and that's that the absurdity said, thing I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast. We have to accept. We accept there's a, a bit of that, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but make it logical to how they fight. Mm -hmm. If you're one level of Jedi, you can do this. Yeah. If you're another, you can do this. You'd always, I mean, you'd always use your best moves, quote unquote, when you're in a fight. So it's saying that if Dooku and uh, Yoda had matched up force-wise maybe it was their best weapons canceled each other out and then they had to do the lightsaber battle which you know mm. it is what it is yeah. but yeah i get you I'm, I'm i'm right on board with you too much special effects and as you said it was you know uh much better for the times but uh when you you're not sure about it use a puppet yes exactly because the puppet looked great in Star was, yeah. Wars. And it was he, awesome. We don't or, need to see him jumping around like uh, a freaking frog. Just have Mace Window show up there instead. That, yeah. Done. Salt. All right. My my last one, small one, is Anakin and Padme are going to rescue um, Obi-Wan. And he's like, well, are we going to do aggressive negotiations? Ha, ha, ha. And then she's like, well, first let's try the Diplomacy. Uh, diplomatic solution. Yeah. But they don't land and say, yo, what the heck you doing with Obi-Wan? Mm -hmm. They like sneak into a steam vent. Yep. <laughs> so they're not, they don't just show up and be like, hey, I got a Jedi here. We know you have a Jedi. Uh, better hand him over. We're going to kick some butt. Right. They're like, let's go in this steam vent and uh, go down the assembly line. So that was kind of weird anyway. A small you mean, dislike. You mean go down that video game? Good on the video game, yeah. Yeah. Star Wars <laughs> Jump, Mario Brothers. Duck, run. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Hey, but the first one of my likes, and we can jump right into likes. Yep. Let's do it. Are two flies in that scene. Yeah, I actually like that. I mean a lot of cus a lot of customers. <laughs> a lot of people were like, What? Why was he suddenly fly? I'm like, no, it's cool. That's the cool little addition to that guy. You know, yeah, maybe anytime you can have R2 fly, why wouldn't it be cool? Alright, that was a very small like. What else did you like? We gotta pull it back up and see what we liked, Travis. So what else? No, no, what did not, you like? We in are this not movie? obliged to save this movie. I'm just obliged to share my opinion. We're not gonna save it. And I have some likes. Gonna... <laughs> yes. Uh, Kenobi versus Fett. Oh, I loved all of that. I like yeah, uh, that was, his yeah. investigation was fun and intriguing. I wish there was more of it. Um, and slower pace. You know, the Camino Dart thing was a little well. Okay, there's your MacGuffin. You know, I you know would have loved to see more from that plot line. Love their fight on Camino in the rain. That was cool. Lightsaber effects in the rain. Slave One. I love their fight in the asteroid ring yep. around Geonosis. It looked gorgeous. I love that sonic uh, bomb or whatever it was he was that using. That was cool. The sonic weapon. Just yeah. so cool. Now, that's what I was saying. This movie is full of some great Star Wars moments, but man, the, the other stuff just pulls it back down into the mud. I would have wanted to see a final battle between them. Though. You know, you kind of set these two two challenges between Kenobi and Fett, but then it's Mace Windu who takes him out in the end. And I was kind of, I don't know. I would I would like to have seen them show a showdown between them, like the final showdown between those two. It would have been kind of cool. If, it felt like they were setting it up at least. But I actually thought the chase scene at the beginning 
Uh, I guess I didn't scrutinize it quite as well as you did, but mm. I thought it was a pretty decent chase scene, very Star Warsy, and it's the first real part of the movie that made you actually watch the screen and yeah. and you know, think about it and got the blood like flowing. It. So yeah, uh, so that was kind of fun. Uh, what else did you like? Um, so here's where I'm probably going to depart from the majority of the fans that I've probably you know, had conversations with. I actually liked Anakin's emotional turmoil. Um, I thought his turmoil was compelling. His dark side tendencies could have been a lot more subtle, I think. But whatever, I was, I was okay with it. And I actually think Hayden Christensen's performance was fine. Uh, he played the emotions written for him in a convincing manner, and I believed it. It was just the dialogue itself and a few line deliveries that I think made Anakin the cringeworthy character he became. Um, and uh, if Lucas had just stuck to making Anakin a likable hero and not been eager to show him these hints of his creepier dark side, I think the movie would have been saved. I think the movie could have been so much better and Hayden's acting, his talent would have shown through a lot more. He has that scene at the, um, the Tatooine, uh, large garage and I love the way he plays all those emotions. Like he's feeling guilty. He's feeling um, irate. He's confused. in the garage after he kills um, all the sand people. Yeah, uh, trying to rescue his mom. Right. I, you know, I believed all the emotions he was conveying right there, and I thought that Hayden Christensen did a pretty good job with all that. You know, we're in a Star Wars movie. I mean, I'm not expecting Shakespeare. I mean, I guess I should because we get Ian McDermott, but we'll talk about that later. And you know, even the earlier stuff he had, the back and forth with Obi Wan. I love that that bickering and banter. I thought the elevator scene at the very beginning was terrible, but again, that's not on the actors that's on the dialogue being given to them and a director saying, here's your motivation for saying what you're saying. Please sell it. Like you believe it, like you're living it. I think, and it's just a tragedy because I think Hayden Christensen got so much heat for a wooden performance. Natalie Portman got so much heat for a wooden performance because the love story was so badly written. It wasn't them. They were just, they weren't given the resources to sell it because George Lucas, and we said this in our last one, he's not an actor's director. He's an editor. He's a storyteller. But we'll talk about that yeah. in a moment. But that was, I did, I really did like Anakin's story um, for the most part. Save, you know, some weird cut scenes and some some creeper moments that he did that just was just bad writing. Yeah, but. as I said earlier, I did like the tension uh, right away on that. So you could kind of, See, as you said, like a spoiled uh, a kid, kind of. Um, also, let's just jump into it. You just mentioned him uh, just a moment ago. Ian McDermott, uh, once again, uh, very sly. You always kind of know it's coming, but um, you can see his motivation and see him kind of pulling the, uh, the strings behind the scenes. You and I are going to disagree on that one, but we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> I thought you said he was good. He is good. Ewan McGregor is good. Hayden Christensen is good. This movie was just very poorly directed. But I'll get in that in a minute. It's in my changes department. <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah. So, but you're not disagreeing me with me then, right? I said Ian McDermott was the the acting was good. No, his acting was terrible. What? Yeah, I'm gonna put an asterisk by it. We'll get to it. You said he, so you liked his acting just, in the first movie, but you didn't like it in the second movie. Yeah, well, I'll, 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 I'll flesh we'll it out in a minute. Yes. All right. <laughs> we got changes coming up. We Subtle do. changes. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, any other likes for you before we... I have one quick one, and then we can move on. Uh, we'll go yours, and then we'll go mine. All right. Um, as we uh, discussed briefly in our Top 20 Star Wars Vehicle Countdown, <laughs> which is our best episode, by the way, go back, check it out if you haven't listened to it yet. I'm going to keep hyping that. <laughs> but I loved, loved, love. I don't know how they got there, but the Republic gunships oh, yeah. looked awesome at the so end. As cool. you said, um, in our countdown, they were... Uh, based off the Soviet uh, Union hind helicopter, mm-hmm. um, the sound of those you, things. This is wow. yeah. If you saw, was it Red Dawn? Red Red, Red Dawn or the original the, Red Dawn? It was also in in uh, Rambo that um, desert Rambo? camo. I don't know if it was in Rambo. Is in one of those. Well, Rambo two is when he goes to Afghanistan. So it would have been in that one. I don't recall it being so, okay, in there. Rambo, but you're right, because he was fighting yeah. the Soviets. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just a huge helicopter, desert camouflage uh, is uh, how I picture it, of course. It's just massive, um, uh, really a problem, uh, unless you have <laughs> a uh, shoulder-filed uh, missile, which uh, somehow the people got. But anyway, yeah. so... But it, just a great uh, looking ship, as you said, replaceable pods on the side for uh, different features. Uh, go check out our top 20 vehicles for more on that and other best vehicles. I had the Lego Star version Wars. of that, and it is so cool as a toy. It is so, that's yeah. actually the first big Lego set that my wife and I bought when we started our Lego Star Wars collection. The Republic gunship had to have it, loved it. Is it the minifig size or whatever that's yeah. called? Yep. Play scale, minifig scale. Minifig yeah. scale. All right. Any other likes for you before we go to our changes? I'm um, just a small one. I, I love spending more time in Coruscant. I think it's always a good thing. I, I'm fascinated with Coruscant. I wanted to see a bit more of like the straight perspective because what all we got was some. What's that? I said, why don't you marry it? Oh, please. Because it's not as pretty <laughs> as Padme. <laughs> no, Coruscant. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What did, what did you like about it? <laughs> Well, you know, we had those moments where they went to the bar and they were kind of walking along the streets. And I just wanted to see more of that. How do citizens feel about the Jedi peacekeepers? You know, are they supportive or fearful? What do people, you know, I want to see more of that. I wanted to see what Coruscant was like. Because, you know, Coruscant is like New York City. You get a slice of all the life in the galaxy, all the life in the nation there. And you get to see how they all interact and get along and don't get along. And I just would have loved to have spent more time, you know, at the, at the, the citizen level of Coruscant, you know, not in the lofty towers of the elite. You know, we get Dex's diner for a little while, which is totally ridiculous. But still, I there's a part of me that appreciate the fact that there is a diner on Coruscant. It's like Mel's Diner. And then Obi-Wan just happened to go in there and talk to the cook. <laughs> just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, the Clone yeah. Wars series explores Coruscant in a lot of great ways. And I don't know, I... I know I keep talking about the Clone Wars series. It's just... Let's talk about our changes. And if you didn't listen to our Phantom Menace review, please do. Um, These are subtle changes. Maybe how they could have redone the movie a little bit or focused on a different part of the movie than they did. Kind of like if we were in the writer's room um, before the movie got shot. Travis, would you like to start, sir? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Thank you. For me, the change that I think I would have liked to have just told George if we sat down and he's working on the screenplay for Attack of the Clones and you know, his production team are working on you know designs, just hire a fracking director, dude, an actor's director. 
The response <laughs> of the Phantom Menace should have been enough to convince Lucasfilm to put someone else in the director's chair. The dialogue delivery in this movie is Star Wars at its worst. Even Ian McDiarmid seems to struggle through this movie. His his line deliveries are just I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, and that's not to say that George Lucas ruined Star Wars. I'm not going to say that. I'm not I you know his his storytelling innovative his imagination is awesome. I would love to have more Star Wars content from him. But I'm just surprised that Lucasfilm didn't hire somebody to handle the the act, directing the actors. That just seems like a huge misstep. You know, add some style to production. Like I said, the cinematography was was just uninspired. Uh, I just hire someone to work with Lucas to produce the best version of his creative vision. Um, he was surrounded by a bunch of yes guys, and and we'll go on that in a minute for another change of mind. But I don't know. I I don't doubt that Lucas was having a fun time directing Star Wars, but this time around, because he sat in the director's seat a second time after all the heat that he got from the Phantom Menace, it's it starts to feel like it's a it's a vanity thing for him, which is really unfortunate. I mean, it's, it's it's difficult because this is his creation, right? So he he came up with all of this from the very beginning. But he's worked with other and, directors before. Well, I yeah I understand that, but do you give him that? Um, do you give him that artistic license? And uh, I guess you're saying no. I give him the artistic license to write the stories and to, to come up with the vision and even, you know, produce what the visuals are going to be like, the effects and the, the, the art design and that kind of stuff. But what I think needs to happen is that he just needs to say, well, you know, this is all after the fact, but why didn't he just say, I'm not very good at, at telling actors what to do. And I hate working with actors. I think there's even interviews where he said as much. Just bite the bullet. Hire a freaking director who's really good with talent, who's also going to be a second pair of eyes on the screenplay saying, hey, wait, this one thing doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. How can we beef this up? He hired a second person to help him with the screenplay for particularly the love stuff, the romance pieces. He had somebody else writing that dialogue. But again, if if the director can't get the talent where they need to be in the headspace to sell those lines, then... Everything's going to suffer. It doesn't matter how great your special effects are. It doesn't matter how awesome the costumes are. It doesn't matter how great the music is. It's still going to fall flat. And we got a lot of flat performances in this movie from people who are very, very talented, who have shown us that they are talented in other projects. And it's just a shame. It's a shame because this movie, this one is the one that mattered. It, it definitely counts. And then it just bombs. So your subtle change is replace a director and at least a cinematographer and uh, <laughs> some other stuff. I think the stuff. director would have been enough if, because the director would have would have invoked a lot more uh, creativity from a cinematographer. Just like, hey, this shot's kind of cool, but this seems like it's a made for TV sort of camera angle. We're playing it way too safe with these camera angles, you know. All right. Well, I think they should have immediately left in the movie that the droid army was on the move. So you, you open the movie, or very shortly after you open the movie, the droids are attacking a planet. What the heck's going on? We can't allow this in the Republic. And then Obi-Wan's got to go out there, figure out what's going on. And then there's no army yet for the Republic. And then he goes up again. Maybe he goes up against Dooku to kind of close out the first act. And we realize, like, this is a serious threat. Not just a like a planet-wide conflict, but this is... This is serious and, and mm-hmm. we're in for some real trouble. It does seem weird that Dooku wasn't brought in until like the final third of the film, right? We're talking about this 
vague entity that's creating this separatist movement, you know, trying to evoke a Tyrannus civil war. Tyrannus Bothda, I believe, is his synonym, or that's what Django Fett uh, knows him as, something huh? like that. But No, just yeah. Darth, No, he was hired by a guy named Tyrannus on the yeah, moon that's, of Bogda. that's Count yeah. Dooku. Yeah, that's Count Dooku. but that's yeah. Tyrannus is his name, not Tyrannus of Bogda or whatever you just said. Just Tyrannus. Well, yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah, that's not yeah. Okay. Anyway, I didn't I didn't look it up because frankly I didn't care. Okay. <laughs> so so I thought we should just just do that. Like okay, we're all of a sudden attack the clones. Yeah, you know we're mm-hmm. we're in with the droid army, and then you know obviously we got to figure it out from there immediate problem that's got to be solved padme's got some diplomatic stuff to do at the senate because she's got to try to bring that back from the edge and then we can go on from there but uh anyway that's part one of my change uh, what's one of another change that you had and i i like that change i would have i would i think that would have helped the movie quite a bit just start with a you know a, a front end stinger like okay now we're, we're back into star wars action and here's our favorite, one of our favorite Jazz Kenobi. And yeah, I like that. And establishes who the bad guy is really early on. I like that. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> um, for me, <laughs> uh, another change is, George, get rid of the fanboy Yes Men production staff members and put people who aren't afraid to tell you that something is a bad idea. George needed a team that challenged his decisions like he had when he made the first three Star Wars films, like he has in uh, Spielberg. You know, when they're working at Indiana Jones, it's, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just it, if he had a staff that was that was as invested in the franchise and the property and George Lucas's, you know, creativity, they could have pushed the production towards greatness. And it would have been an awesome movie to watch. Instead, you know, there's this um, I wish I could find out. I was looking for it on YouTube earlier. There's a documentary that was made about the making of uh, Attack of the Clones. And there's some footage in that that reveals a group of people who just. They didn't know how to talk to George Lucas in any genuine way. They are just, thank you, George. Thank you, George. Thank you for my paycheck, George. Thank you, George. I mean, that's not a direct quote, but that's definitely the vibe I'm getting. And, you know, they catered to every oddball idea he had rather than saying, hey, mm, that's not really cool. Maybe, you know, we should rethink that. You know, that's a cool idea on paper, but I don't think that's going to be as effective as it's realized in film. I'm going to go back to one of my gripes about this, and that's going back to CGI Yoda. Rob Coleman was the effects director who convinced George Lucas to go with a CGI Yoda. It wasn't part of the plan at the very beginning. At least that's how this documentary puts it. And that CGI Yoda took away something very magical about Star Wars. I know it's absurd to say a puppet is a puppet, but the puppet works. The puppet worked. The puppet's working again in The Mandalorian. I I don't understand. It was just the... Everybody was just punch drunk on CGI effects and what they can get away with. And they weren't making, they just weren't making good decisions because of it. And that's what made Attack of the Clones look more like a coloring book rather than a cinematic experience. Yeah, I'm trying to think, is there any other main character in the Attack of the Clones that was CGI? I mean, I know you have uh, the diner guy, Dax, and you have the the Kaminoans. 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 All the Geonosans, they're all CG. They looked okay, I guess. The droids were CG. Yeah, but... Django Fett, his stunt work was CG. But you know what? (laughs) Who's CG in that whole movie? The clones. Yes. All of them. They made no practical costumes for any of the clone troopers. They were 100% CG all the way. Yeah. 
And and you could tell, right? Oh but yeah. The problem is you could tell that, and maybe back in the day it was a little harder. You could tell it, and you're a little forgiving about that. But you're you you can't you can't you just can't be as forgiving with with Yoda, who's one of the best characters in Star Wars. And, and in close-ups. And, and yeah. if it's not broken, don't right fix it. So here, let me just kind of give you a little bit more of a sort of a historical filmmaking perspective. You know, back then, these movies were, they were shot digitally. They were edited and finessed digitally. And of course, the effects were done digitally. But then they were printed onto actual film stock print. Mm-hmm. And so there's a certain amount of saturation that film gives to kind of just make it all mesh together really well. And so you're projecting on the screen. A lot of that weirdness doesn't come through. And then when you're talking about home media back then, it was also lower resolution. So again, it creates a certain saturation to these things where everything just sort of gels together. You know, we're now watching this movie through 4K TVs and high def whatever. And it really makes the disconnect between what is digital, what's CGI and what is really filmed stand out. I mean, it's it's you can tell it looks like the, the people who are actors, it's like their feet are never touching the ground. Well, it's not because the ground's not really there, right? It's a digital set, and yeah, I don't know. I hear, so, I hear you. So at uh, the time, yeah. it didn't look nearly as bad, but it through today's technology, it looks even worse. It's almost like let's just redo it. Let's redo the whole thing. I hate to like put such a downer on on this whole movie, but you know, we we just we just get the benefit of hindsight. That's that's all yeah. it is. Yeah. So and and. Uh, Maybe, maybe um, to go against your point, maybe there was a lot of discussion and maybe they got vetoed by uh, George himself or the studio or whoever. So um, there was no studio. It was just George. Yeah. Well, all right. Mine, mine kind of dovetails off of my uh, droid attack opening and it blows it out of the water. What if we started the movie with a massive all out droid attack as much as they can attack maybe they're even attacking coruscant and the republic is completely on their heat on their heels they don't have an army so it's just like the jedi and you know whatever conscripts just people who are, are fighting to save their actual home planets mm-hmm. uh maybe palpatine could have been trying to assassinate padme if we still needed that storyline i don't know that we did so at some point the clones are revealed I don't know that we needed this weird mystery that we ended up with. Uh, maybe they were on the way and they're not ready yet. And then all of a sudden they're ready. Or I don't know that I ha- I have to think that through a little bit more. But here's my here's my uh, two two other things with this. Palpatine could have argued that the Republic was a failure because um, they were on their heels so much. Um, the galactic empire should be ushered in to restore order from the droid attack dun hmm. dun dun and and then one more point and then you can <laughs> you can shoot it down or whatever they could even have dooku and palpatine join forces for a little while versus the jedi so i don't know obviously that uh devastatingly affects order 66 in this scenario but maybe it would even be worse that all of a sudden the Jedi are all of a sudden out and no one likes the Jedi because they couldn't do their job. 
And then Palpatine, of course, would have to double-cross Dooku to assume his role. I don't know. I haven't fully fleshed that out. Just came up with that uh, right before we went on air. What do you think about that? Massive all-out war to start. Like I said earlier, I do like the idea of a more action-oriented beginning to the film. The only kind of concern I have with that second one of yours is um, if Anakin is a Jedi and now Palpatine has an opposition to the Jedi, how do we get Anakin under his control? So you'd have to figure out a way to solve that. But it sounds like if you were to really flesh that out, it's making it more than just a subtle change. It's like a, a rewrite of the film. Yeah, I don't know exactly how that would play out. We'd have to, I'd, ha- I'd have to think about that. Maybe coming up on a future <laughs> episode of Before the Z-Wing. All right, do you have any other changes before we... Uh... Put a no, bow on this bad boy. That was it. Yeah. So what? Do you, what right. How many helmets? How many helmets? <laughs> so yes, helmets for me. I'm gonna start off on an optimistic note for what we have for this movie. I'm gonna go with two out of five stormtrooper helmets. Hmm. After, how many helmets would you give? After all Attack that that you clones? just described, you'd still give it two helmets. Listen, that's forty percent. Two out of five. What no would a what gonna... would a what would a Star Wars movie have to be in order to get just one helmet review from you? Um, totally uncool characters, no and or very bad fight scenes, space scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's about it. I mean, we have got some cool characters. We got we got the as you said the sonic sonic bombs there and the asteroids. We got some other cool scenes. Got the good chasing at the beginning. We got uh the the fight scenes at the end were cool with the the droids and the the clones even though it's like weirdly how they got everyone got there in those positions um it was interesting as well but so yeah and plus i'm an easy movie grader i'll (laughs) I'll admit it one of the few movies i walked out of was uh she devil starring roseanne barr way back in the day awful movie you know i don't need much for a movie to make me happy this one certainly didn't uh cross that threshold but i'm not i'm not gonna destroy it more than two out of five stormtrooper helmets hmm. okay so you're going you're going lower you're well, well, <laughs> you're going on the, on the under uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna give you my helmets. explanation first and then we will talk about the actual helmet rating so here's my here's my closing for this this movie suffers mistakes that should never have happened and those mistakes mm-hmm. negate all the cool things the movie gives us if Lucas had surrounded himself with a team willing to hard examine the script, this movie could have been the Clone Wars story promised all the way back during that brief, brief conversation between Luke and Obi-Wan in A, in a New Hope. What we got instead was a video game cutscene montage that forgot to use compelling story elements to connect the scenes. So, when I came into this, I was going to give it half a helmet. <laughs> but based on what you just said... That there are some really cool things, and ultimately, these are these are still characters that we like. I will give it a full helmet. <laughs> All right, I'll give a it a full, full helmet. helmet from Travis. Two helmets from me. There we are. That is our Attack of the Clones review. Yes, I'm sorry it was so painful. Hey, I don't want to know... hate Star Wars, and I I don't want to you know I. A lot of people are like, well, we're, just, we're exhausted from always hating on Attack of the Clones. So now we're going to be more optimistic and say how, what good it is. I mean, yes, the movie has a lot of good elements to it. But there's just not enough to save it from the BS. Hey, 
anytime you have a group of objects, in this case, 11 Star Wars movies, one of them has got to be the worst. That's just the way it is. Yeah, but they could all still be very good. And this was not good. This was not a good movie. (laughs) No. They could all be very good, but especially with that many movies, 11 movies, very difficult. Very, very difficult. It's not a movie and its sequel... Uh, such as Alien and Aliens, which mm-hmm. were both tremendous, or even Terminator, Terminator Two. Terminator right. Two was very good. Terminator itself was. But one usually, of the, best the the really crappy sequels happen made. when the original show creator steps out of the role. You know, Terminator took a dive when James Cameron walked away and just did a production. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. Well, then again, Aliens kind of disproves that because it was Ridley Scott first and then James Cameron and then it went downhill. I don't know. <laughs> actually, I, I actually like David Fincher's Alien 3. It, I like the mood, the ambience of it, I thought was really compelling. I understand why people weren't very excited about it because it wasn't, it wasn't the gung-ho, you know, pro-military 80s movie that Aliens was, nor was it the, the intense horror film that Ridley Scott had made. But there was... I don't know. There was a melancholy to Alien 3 that I actually really loved. And I don't, I, and I love David Fincher. I mean, I know he had some struggles with the, with 20th Century Fox who was making that, that kind of compromised what would have been probably a much more compelling story to see unfold on screen. But I don't think it's that bad of a film. I liked it. Aliens 4, <laughs> or not, yeah, Alien 4 or whatever. Oh my God. Which that is was... the one where Sigourney Weaver is a clone or something? I don't know. Yeah, we're, I, right. I, where so they make a yes. bunch of clones of Ripley, and then she's yeah. like half, and then she has a baby alien that turns into this really crazy Grendel-looking <laughs> thing. Ugh. Anyway, that's been that's been the attack of the clone review. <laughs> hey, we, we go off the rails a little bit. Hey, so sue us. Anyway, you know what? Wait a minute. Let me just revise this for a second. I'm gonna Uh-oh. give it a helmet and a half because Whoa. Attack of the Clones is not nearly as bad as Alien Four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a helmet and a half, two helmets for me. That will do it from Attack of the Clones Review, officially from Before the Z-Wing podcast. There we go. So Before the Z-Wing can be found across social media. We are Before the ZW on Twitter. That's the num- letter B, the number four, the ZW. On Instagram, we are Before underscore the underscore Z-Wing. And on facebook we are before the z-wing travis why do we do that to stay under the radar of an incompetent jedi council (laughs) oh man (laughs) oh golly jeez okay anyway thanks so much (laughs) subscribe tell a friend please and that's it for travis i am stefan before zw never underestimate a droid (laughs) 